Medicare's annual open enrollment period is underway and lasts through December 7th. So today we answer 10 commonly asked questions so that you'll get the coverage you need when you need it using the Medicare option that best matches you and your preferences. Getting this wrong can result not only in coverage that's a bad fit, but also possibly gaps in coverage or lifelong penalties for messing up the timing of your enrollment. Plus, toward the end we explain a little-known version of Medicare that is now spread to 34 states and the District of Columbia that could save you tens of thousands of dollars in health care costs during your retirement. Stay tuned as we explore all this and more right now on the Retirement Lifestyle Show. Welcome. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Show with Roshan Lungani, Eric Olson, and Adrian Nicholson. This show is an exploration of ideas to help you work toward your ideal retirement. Get ready for the financial independence of your dreams. Welcome to the Retirement Lifestyle Show. I'm your co-host, Roshan Lungani, here as always with Eric Olson and Adrian Nicholson. We've got a great episode for you today. Uh, gentlemen, how are you doing? Excited for, for the topic? Very much so. Adrian? Yep. I'm very excited. Uh, I know our listeners are going to find this very informative, so I'm ready to dive into it. Great. So uh, let me just launch right into this because we're in Medicare open enrollment period, and this lasts through December 7th. And so we've thought it's time if you haven't really been paying attention and you're approaching that uh, point in your life where you're going to be eligible for this this program, we want you to not mess up. So we're going to be talking about um, not only the broad framework of Medicare and uh, some of the, the two most widely known pieces of that, the original Medicare and Medicare Advantage, but also a third little known one. That's we're going to save that sort of nugget for later in the in the episode. And we're also going to spend some time detailing some common questions uh, that people ask about and can, can easily get confused and can tri get trip people up on uh, when they assume certain things are true or not true about Medicare. We don't want you tripped up by those sorts of things. We want to help you, uh, you know, get it right so that you don't wind up for the rest of your life paying more than you need or getting stuck without coverage or things of this kind. So... Um, so why don't we, gentlemen, why don't we dive into it? Adrian, you're going to lead us through some of these uh, these key questions, right, that people are asking about Medicare. Yeah, of course. And it's uh, it makes sense why people are asking these like common questions because the Medicare system can be confusing and complex sometimes. So these kind of common questions, these 10 questions will really kind of help shed some light and give you some quick facts on uh, some information about this so you can help with the decision-making process. So question number one is a pretty basic one and it's the most common one when it comes up. When should you sign up for Medicare? And you are eligible to sign up for Medicare beginning at age 65, but then there's the other end, whether you should sign up for Medicare at age 65 really depends on if you have uh, insurance or what kind of insurance you're working with right now. So this is kind of a, a good starting point. What do you guys think? Well, just to be more specific on that time period, you've got uh, the three months before and the three months after you turn 65 that you've got to enroll 
uh, in that time period for for uh, for Medicare. Yeah, and um, you're actually we can talk about the different enrollment, the different parts of Medicare and in, into which you would enroll. So Part A, you're going to be automatically enrolled in that if you're you turn 65 and you're collecting Social Security, that happens automatically. If uh, on the other hand, if you're not collecting that Social Security, then that's not necessarily automatic. So you should go get registered. That part's free, but you should still go get registered. Then there's part B. Guys, you want to talk about part B? Well, part B, you, well, uh, and actually one other thing on that social security, so many people now, their social security age is pushed back, right? As far as full retirement age goes. So, uh, the not being, uh, uh, not getting receiving social security, therefore not automatically being re- enrolled, is becoming more the um, uh, more the rule than the exception. But continuing on, uh, Part A, which is which is free, will cover like hospitalization, right? Part Part B, which will cover things more like your regular doctors' uh, visits, uh, medical tests, that type of thing. That's not free. So you got you got to pay for that, and that's where if you are, um, uh, you don't have to. You can you can enroll, but then you can decline the Part B coverage if you have if you have coverage elsewhere. If you're still uh, still working, for example. Right. So so yeah, that's actually if you're still working and you turn sixty five, you but the the thing to do is to talk with your medic medical plan provider. And figure out what, how they interface or how they interact with Medicare. In some cases, for example, they'll say, Hey, when you hit 65, nothing changes. You're all good. So at that point, you don't have to necessarily go enroll in part B, but the others of them will say, no, we, we trim back and we're assuming that Medicare is going to carry the, 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 um, underlying load of your Medicare costs. And at 65, we're going to trim back and be more supplemental. So you need to know that so that you're, you're doing the right thing in terms of uh, making sure you're getting those part B premiums covered. Cause the, the issue with not enrolling in a timely way, and this is especially if you delay beyond the point at which you should have enrolled, you can get dinged with a penalty that lasts for the rest of your life for late enrollment. And the reasoning behind that is, is that they're thinking, look, this whole social insurance thing only works if everybody's paying in. If you're trying to be a freeloader, and get the benefit later without paying into it early on, then, you know, they're going to say, Hey, that, that the system doesn't work that way. And so to disincentivize the, that behavior and rather than having people sort of chance it to, to save a few bucks on their part B premiums for a while, uh, they want to, you know, they want to get you engaged. Having said that again, if your plan though, uh, takes that load, nevertheless, then you can continue and wait until you retire and you can wait, enroll not when you're 65 but instead in a special enrollment period that's uh that's in a few months around your retirement and eric this penalty that you mentioned does this increase over time is this just a one time and done or is this annual i think that's like a big thing because when people hear penalty especially with like we said this complex system of medicare it's it's really important to figure this out yeah, so my understanding is Adrian that it's a it's not a one-time penalty. It's a it's a fixed increase in in ratio terms relative to what everybody else would be paying at the same income level. 
or their part B. Again, remember part A is free. So you've got part B. If let's say, you know, most people are paying 148 or 49 right now a month for their part B. But if let's say you get dinged with this penalty, depending on how many years you, you delayed it, um, you know, that, that could scale up. And I think I've heard in some cases that it's twice as much. I, I don't quote me on that one. But, you know, it can it can be a meaningful uh, shift in the amount that you're paying for Part B. It's a 10 percent above the premium for every 12 month period. You didn't have ah. coverage and you could have. Oh, OK. So if you miss. Thank you. If you miss two 12 month periods. So two, that's a 20 percent mm. penalty, three 12 month mm. periods, 30 percent and so on and so forth. And as Eric, as you said, um, it's a penalty for for life. Right. It doesn't go away. Yeah. <laughs> That's major. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, uh, do you guys want to mention anything else on this uh, question of when you can sign up for Medicare or are you ready to go on to the next one? I'll just throw in this. If you are not going the route of original Medicare, but instead going Medicare Advantage, you have an extra enrollment period each year. So that's in the, you know, the first quarter. Um, But we're talking about this as so far we've been addressing this as really just the, the basic question of first time enrollees. But we just also want to highlight when we're talking about open enrollment here now, this is if you want to switch this, you know, be, uh, through now, uh, from now through December 7th, you're, you're already a Medicare participant. This is a time when you can make some changes. Which is exactly why we're we're doing this episode mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you can uh, and feel free to reach out and ask us, uh, ask us any questions you have. We will touch on a topic I've gotten a couple questions on recently. If we don't, I'll bring it up, bring it up at the end. Okay. But let's go on to the next one on the list. Um, the next one, listen, this is a, a big one and a really personal one is, can I keep my same doctor? And uh, in most cases you can, but I think this is like a perfect time if you're listening to this episode to have that conversation with your your doctor that if, you, if this is someone that you worked with a long time, this really good opportunity now for you to have that conversation with them if they do accept uh, Medicare. And if it's a situation where they don't and you have to find a new one, then that's uh, something that you really need to look into to see if that's something that they're going to accept. And I think this is a a really popular question and it's going to be a really good. So what do you guys, uh, what do you guys think about this one? Well, I'll say in terms of, um, in terms of the, again, the distinction between original Medicare and Medicare Advantage, what you just said is absolutely true about the original Medicare. You need to ask if your doctor covers it. If you take Medicare Advantage, aside from the, the, uh, sort of secret uh, secret approach that almost no one knows about that we'll be talking about later is then you're actually going to be part of a network. And so unless your doctor is part of that network, it's sort of just a, it's a given that you'll, you'll have to switch to a different doctor. Yeah, that, that is big. And just being put in a network or lo- looking through different doctors within this can be a, a really big uh, factor on which area that you go with. So what do you think about this, Roshan? Yeah, I, 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 uh, I think this one's pretty much straightforward. Talk to your doctor, see if they're part of the plan, and uh, that'll pretty much answer the answer the question here. Excellent. Yep. And we can move on to question number three. What if I'm still working when I, when I turn sixty five? 
Um, Eric, what do you what do you think about for this question? I know this is going to be a really popular one because everybody um, doesn't retire at the same time. Everybody works at different times. So I think this is uh, another really common one that people would probably want you to shed some more light on. It's a little tricky. So um, uh, not, you know, I don't want to over over simplify or over complexify, I guess. But I would say is uh, if you have a good a plan that meets the requirements that the Medicare administration has established for the quality of coverage, then you're permitted to stay in that employer plan. On the other hand, if it doesn't meet that uh, requirement, then uh, you need to you need to at least get enrolled in A and B, and um, and then possibly use the the existing employer plan as, as a supplemental basis. But there are other some other twists and turns. Roshan, yeah, uh, that also pretty straightforward. Like you said, uh, make make sure your plan falls within the rules. You must uh, enroll uh, in those plans, uh, and as we said earlier, A is free. And when I say enroll in those plans, I'm referring to Part A and Part B. But you can then decline Part B, so you don't have to pay for it if you're in a in a plan that um, allows you to do that without penalties mm-hmm. later. Yeah, there's another trick: is if your company, let's say you work for a firm with the, where the health plan covers fewer than 20 employees, yeah, that one you can't keep going with. You got to switch over to Medicare. And uh, do you guys do you guys talk with your clients much about high deductible um, plans, health plans, and uh, HSAs and such? Yeah, so as those have grown increasingly popular, you actually can't use those with Medicare. And so actually if you're using them, it's it's a problem. So you have to you have to figure out a way to get don't if if you're in one and haven't exited the high deductible version, don't enroll in Medicare yet. You need to kind of get yourself out of the high deductible version. That doesn't mean you have to cough up all the funds that are in your HSA that you've built over time, but it does mean you can't use that high deductible plan any longer. And then once you're out of that plan, then you can switch over, you know, or go forward with Medicare enrollment. That's a, that's another solid point, Eric. And thanks for sharing that. Um, Roshan, is there anything else you want to touch on this? But I pretty much think we hit all the major points on this. Question number four is what about your spouse? I think this is uh, another good one. If you are, if you're both still working and your spouse is covered under the plan, I think this is a, another one where you're saying you just have to have a conversation with your insurance company or your benefit administrator. I think this is really important because if you go off of it and you haven't had this conversation, it's pretty much almost impossible to get back on it. So I think this is another one where you just have to have a conversation and just really look into it before you make any um, decisions Especially if you have a stay-at-home spouse who's younger, and then you, you, you switch off from your work plan and switch over to Medicare, what's your, your younger uh, younger spouse, stay-at-home, who's not eligible for that plan, has to find another solution, like the marketplace, you know, the health health uh, health plan marketplace or such. Yeah, I had a client who had sort of the reverse uh, situation, I guess, maybe kind of like what you described, where you have a, a stay-at-home spouse who's younger and the uh, older spouse uh, extended their work by uh, two years to make sure that the uh, younger spouse still had some kind of coverage. So yeah, that's a that's a good one. Let's move on to number 
Uh, number five. Number five is what if I sign up for Medicare and then get a job that offers health benefits? And I think this is uh, another good question. This brings up the conversation whether you should uh, disenroll from Part B. You also have to consider Social Security as well when it comes to this. So what's kind of your take on this, Eric? Well, if you're in social, if you're collecting social security and, you know, of course, most of, most of the time we're encouraging our clients to delay at some level, you know, rarely are we, am I encouraging a, a, a married couple to have both start claiming at 62 or 65. There are some instances where, you know, there are certainly exceptions to that. But if, uh, if for whatever reason you're taking social security, you're, you're going to be part of the, you're going to be uh, covered under part A and you have to be enrolled in it. And since it doesn't cost you anything, what's, what's the downside? So there isn't, but, um, but in terms of uh, this, you have the option. If you have a good plan under uh, an employer and you're 65 and you're still going strong, you can keep using that employer plan. That's fine. Again, subject to that 20 person uh, covered, you know, 20 covered persons limit. Yeah. Roshan? Well, I, I think this question um, it takes us back to um, uh, the previous one, which is, which was question three. What if I'm still working? Well, you weren't working and then now you are. So you fall into that. Are you still working category? And if your plan is eligible, then you can uh, elect not to have part B. But as you said, part A is free. Excellent. So question number six, this is a little bit more of a complicated one, but uh, it's got a short answer. I retired at age 60 and went on to my former employer's retiree plan. Do I have to enroll in Medicare at age 65? What do you think, Roshan? Well, yeah, the answer is yes here. This is the one I've gotten some questions on. So, uh, Jim, if you're listening, this is the question you would ask us. Uh, so we've got that, <laughs> we've got that answer, answer for you here, which is yes. Shout out to Jim. Yeah. So, uh, and, um, and, uh, since we, there are no last names stated at all, he actually, not only does he have, um, his, uh, employer plan, he is, uh, he is a veteran. So he's got TRICARE. So his question was, well, I've got these uh, two plans. Do I need to enroll in uh, Part B because um, my premiums will go up? And unfortunately, the answer uh, for Jim and for others that are in similar situations is yes, you've got to enroll for uh, Part A and Part B uh, uh, or the Medicare Advantage plan. Uh, as um, Eric has mentioned, the old plan versus the newer the newer plan. So Jim and everyone else, if you've got a plan through your employer, yes, you've got to en- you still got to enroll. Awesome. Eric, do you want to add anything to what Roshan said? No, no, I think Roshan master, masterfully okay, answered that perfect. One. Then I'll send uh, question number seven your way, Eric. I know that you're going to have a solid take on this. This is if I retired and went on to COBRA, can I wait until COBRA expires before enrolling in Medicare? So uh, I'll be honest with you. This was one that is a little tricky. And my understanding around this is still kind of coming together on this one. So just let's clarify, first of all, what COBRA is. So COBRA is this act that allows people to have portability of their employer-based health plan, even after they've uh, retired or left that, left that company, or they've been, for that matter, they've been fired. But for 18 months, you can keep that health coverage going. And that's, that's useful a lot of times in life, not just as you're approaching retirement you know you're you're, there's a period where maybe you're moving into a self-employment phase and you still want that coverage until you've got the business going your new gig going strong enough to cover healthcare premiums or what have you 
So, but the issue is when it, when it interfaces with, um, with it, with, um, pardon me, with age 65 or, and moving into Medicare is if, let's say that you retired at, um, you retired at 62, precisely 62. Well, it's going to carry you through to 63 and a half. Then what are you going to do once it's done and you're, you're waiting until 65? You'll have to go on to one of the exchanges and get one of those or go without coverage or something of that kind. But what if instead it over that 18 year, 18 month, I mean to say 18 month period overlaps with when you turn 65? And maybe it overlaps by maybe you'd retire at 64. You put that Cobra together for 18 months or, or what have you. Now you're six months past age 65 and you're 18 months past when you actually retired. So you've lost access to both the special enrollment period, which was, you know, in the surrounding the months surrounding your retirement and you've missed the age 65 enrollment period, which is three months on either side. So now you have to wait until the next open enrollment period before you can actually switch over. And there can be a delay in that. So you have now two problems. You enrolled late. That might incur some penalties for you. And you might have a gap in coverage, you know, bad decisions. So my point is, is that if you're going to do that, don't just naively assume that you can stick with the 18-month the COBRA and then automatically switch over to Medicare. You want to get on Medicare in that window around turning age 65 if that sort of scenario that I just described applies to you. Don't ride the COBRA coverage all the way out to the finish line. Awesome. That's some really great insight. What do you think, Roshan? Yeah, well well said, Eric. Uh, I think something that helped made this a little clearer for me, which might help you or our listeners, is that um, the ending of COBRA does not create a special enrollment period, your retiring does. So the fact that COBRA lasts 18 months and you would think, well, I've got coverage till 18 months. Yes, you do. But the end of that coverage doesn't create a special enrollment period, which is why you've got to make sure you make your Medicare decisions earlier. Awesome. Great points by both of you. The next one, question number eight, is how much does Medicare cost? And my kind of answer to this, it really kind of uh, depends on, you know, uh, your kind of situation. But I'd love to hear what you guys think about this, like the overall cost. I know this is a big factor when people are looking into Medicare and it's a really common question. They want to know, am I going to be paying more out of pocket or is everything going to be free being covered by the government? I think this is going to be a, a really interesting area for our listeners. Well, as we've said a few times, uh, Medicare Part A is free, uh, and that's for the uh, hospitalization. And then Medicare Part B, which are for you know diagnostic tests, regular doctor visits, for things like that. The typical um, monthly premium right now uh, for 2021 is $148.50 per month. Now, it can vary by um, income, but that's the typical typical cost. As your income goes up, it can go up, and if your income's a little lower, it can go down. Yeah. So, so let's just detail the composition. So, Part A free, Part B, just what Roshan just said. Part D is a drug plan, and then if you get, and we think if you use original Medicare, you should. If you augment Part A, Part B, and the drug plan Part D with what's known as a Medicare supplemental plan, insurance plan from a private party, you know, private insurance company, 
or sometimes it goes by the nickname, the Medigap plan, that's going to cost something too. How much will depend on which of the Medigap plans you choose, which company you choose, and how old you are, what your health circumstances are, et cetera. Now, the, the Medigap plans, um, there are, they are denominated by letters. So A, B, C, D, F, G, K, L, M, N. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about those in just a sec. But the, the, depending on what the structure of those benefits are will dictate in part what the, bene- what the cost of those are. So, guys, I don't know about you, but when clients are asking me, well, what should I assume about Medicare, medical out-of-pocket costs during my retirement years? I, of course, part A is free, uh, but I'm usually tallying up what I anticipate will be the part B, part D, and Medigap supplement costs, plus possibly some co-pays, plus possibly some ducti- deductibles. I get to a number now, at least on a national average, close to $500 per month per person. It, How about you? Yep. Similar numbers. Similar numbers. Mm-hmm. What I also, okay, so, just as an aside, yeah. they couldn't come up with anything but using letters again i think we talked about this last year when we discussed <laughs> medicare but r- you couldn't have just gone with numbers <laughs> on one and letters on the other uh, yeah that's a good point so uh, well yeah so anyway i think that's the answer you want to push forward here um, yeah again? we can we kind of uh answered question number nine as well which is how much does medicare cover i think what we haven't discussed is um what it really doesn't what it doesn't cover. And also I think it's not really on this list, but like, what, what about people that, um, travel a lot? Let's just say they're retired and they travel a lot. Does it cover, you know, on a global scale, does it cover certain areas? I think that's probably a really interesting area that we can uh, share for our listeners. Yeah. And that's where, uh, with the, the travel answer, that's where these Medigap plans come into play, right? To help cover you. If you're uh, if you are abroad, uh, but the other question of what it doesn't cover, uh, there, I guess there's a lot dental vision, hearing cosmetic surgery, um, just to name a few. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's more, even on the hospital and doctor costs as well, especially on the hospitalization costs, which part a covers hospitalizations. There are limitations on that as well. You're, there's only so many, you know, you only get so many days. And uh, th- there are deductibles that are associated with that. And those deductibles can add up. I mean, you know, so if you're in the hospital, let's say for 120 days, you could have, barring the, a Medigap policy to pick up some of the slack, you could have some of uh, the, the co-pays that are associated with those and the deductibles and so forth can, can really amount to a pretty significant bill. So having some of the, the supplemental plan really un, alleviates a lot of that burden. Yeah, that's that's great. That's a good point, Eric. And now we can move on to the last one, question 10. This is going to be a pretty short one. Does Medicare cover long-term care? And the simple answer is no. Um, do you guys want to touch on any aspect of that or should we just move on to our other content? Yes, since we're big on long-term long-term care, Roshan, how would you advise people on this one? Well, I mean, this is the most frequently asked questions. I think uh, I'm I'm not sure why, but um, uh, maybe it's because people think that Medicare will cover all their health needs after. 
but uh, that's one that I think is commonly misunderstood where people think that is, that is covered. But uh, as Adrian said, with the uh, simple one word answer, n- no, it does not cover, cover long-term care. You'll, you can get a um, hundred days covered. So oftentimes when we're looking at policies, we'll look at a waiting period, uh, waiting period being the policy is not going to pay anything until that time frame has expired. But we'll often look at uh, waiting periods of 100 days to line up with this. But um, but a very good question, a popular one, the short answer being you can't expect Medicare to cover your long-term care needs. And by the way, so Medicare will cover 100 days of skilled nursing care. And that's if and only if it's prescribed by your doctor and you go straight from the hospital to the skilled nursing facility. So it's, you know, it's, it's a very specialized circumstance in which it will cover. So the, the, just the, the rule of thumb is like you said, the answer is no. Yeah, that's, that's really great point. And, uh, if you have like more like questions regarding, um, what we just went through, we're more than happy to have a conversation with you or, you could look at medicare.gov as well. They have a really great website to kind of help you go through their, we kind of call it alphabet soup or different type of options that they have. I know it can get really complex. So it's uh, those are some reference tools for you. And uh, Eric will probably provide some as we go m- more into this uh, episode. Yeah, in fact, you know, credit where credit's due, we're going to have a couple of resources on um the sh- in the show notes, and I really strongly encourage you. If this is of interest to you, please go to our webpage. That's retirement lifestyle, lifestyle retirement lifestyle show dot com, and uh, go to retirement lifestyle show dot com. Find this episode, go to the show notes, and then you'll be able to download a couple of resources that we'll have for you. And so, on these ten questions, all credit goes to Elaine Floyd with Horse's Mouth for her her doing that research and keeping those those facts and figures updated. And the second resource that we're going to give you is a is a quick reference guide it's a two-pager it's just ta- you know tables and tables of information it'll be a fantastic resource for you um and whether this is you or your your parents or you know somebody that you know do them a favor get get download this and get this into the uh hands of your friends and uh it will answer a lot of the nitty-gritty detail questions that we just you know can't really dive into in quite the same with the same precision here but uh, go to the show notes is the bottom line. Get these resources. So, guys, uh, uh, there's a few things actually on that quick reference guide that I think are worth our highlighting. So one of them is just the, the distinction between Medicare Advantage and original Medicare. We've touched on that a little bit. Roshi, you want to kind of describe what that distinction is? Well, uh, the traditional one is when you've got Part A for the hospitalization, then you've got Part, part B that will cover the uh, regular doctor's visits, Part D, that'll be the prescription plan. The Medicare Advantage uh, is like um, the network or the HMO version where you've got a lot of those, uh, at least A and B together in there. Now you're now restricted to their their network and you we can still get D, the prescription drug plans. Then. And so it's often called Part C. Uh, it's just sort of a nickname because the Medicare Advantage then just goes in and saves. You don't have the Medigap policy that you have to purchase. It's part of this overall framework. And if you like an HMO or a PPO, and many people do, many people don't, but if you do, you know, this can be a great solution. I mean, it simplifies a lot of the paperwork. It's you know, it's a one-stop shop and, and and that sort of thing. So the limit, the, the problem for a lot of people 
especially when they hit early retirement is they're thinking, you know what, we're planning on traveling. And it's a little tough to do that if you're restricted to in-network providers. So you went from, let's say, uh, the DC, no, I, I got to remember the DMV. You went from the DMV area. So listeners who are not part of the DMV area, that's that's DC, Maryland, and Virginia, I learned from my two friends here. And uh, so, but anyway, you, you travel down to, let's say, Florida or Southern California. Well, if the, the network you're part of doesn't cover it, you, you don't, you know, you're going to not be able to do that without having to go some, through some hoops to get approved for certain kinds of care. Whereas with original Medicare travelers, hey, you're in good shape, at least if it's domestic. So um, that's another distinction. Any other distinctions you think are important about that? Well, in general, Medicare Advantage is supposed to be slightly cheaper, although I have not run uh, quotes on it myself. So I can't mm-hmm. give you the difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think that's that's right. Particularly, that leads us then back to the, the issue in original Medicare. Remember, that's A for free, B you pay for, D the drug plan you pay for, and now you have a Medigap plan. As you pointed out, Roshan, there, there are all these crazy alphabet soup of letters. You have to kind of find which of those plans is going to be the best match for you. Some people are going to want what I'll call the kind of Cadillac plan, where there's no there's no deductibles really beyond you know the Part B deductible. There's uh, you know it's just pretty straightforward and they it's a defined thing. Well, the premiums are going to be higher, but it's you know it's the Cadillac version. Whereas you can choose some of the other versions, particularly if you think you're going to be using care less often you just let's say pretty healthy or you don't you're not inclined to get to the doctor that often not that we encourage you to see your doctor but you know you're not inclined to do that you might want to pick one of the other plans and and save some save some cash on the outlays for that medigap plan i'll I'll tell you i guys i have some favorites um you want to talk about do you have a sort of lean do you lean this way or that way on any of the the letters in this mix no i I actually wanted to go through your favorites and ask you ask you uh, why you picked them. You had mentioned there were were there three that you really liked. Yeah, I like G, which for if for those people that like the Cadillac plan, um, if you're healthy, pretty healthy, and you're not going to be seeing the doctor a lot probably, or or as much as you might in an unhealthier phase of your life. Then I like there's a there's another sort of twist on G, which is the high deductible version. The high deductible version, yeah, I think it's twenty three seventy in the current calendar year. That's the that's the out of pocket deductible on uh, your your visits and copays and such. But the the plan costs for the G high deductible, you're still getting Cadillac care, and w- with the exception of that deductible, you, but you might save a bundle. So let's say that your premium difference between G and G high deductible. Would be would be two fifty a month. Okay, well you're saving three thousand dollars a month. Three thousand dollars a month, you'd be better off just accepting the deductible of twenty three seventy, and and save the the three thousand. Now you're you know six hundred and thirty bucks better off that year. So I think that's that's a plan. Other people might say, hey, I'm really yo a low utilizer utilizer of this stuff. You might look at K. It covers way less, but it's really cheap. And another one is N, which has more co-pays, more deductibles, but it's also cheap. But I, I probably just speaking for myself, I would probably say if you, you, you know, if you just start with the G and the G high deductible and maybe N, um, I think, you know, you're, you're at a pretty good place. The, 
The K doesn't cover foreign travel. The G and the K and the N do cover 80% of foreign travel. So that's, that's pretty awesome too. Yeah, that's uh, definitely when you talked about earlier, people that are travelers in retirement, um, it's an important one, important one to look at. That's how I, I typically look at it is uh, if people say they are traveling abroad, that all of a sudden eliminates a lot of the plans and you're down to six. And if people say they they are, that's if you are. If you aren't, well, then you look at the other um, uh, other four plans and that's a, sort of the starting point to narrow things down. But the other thing you mentioned a couple times that's also uh, a useful data point to narrow things down are well, how much do you typically utilize? Uh, uh, how often are you at the doctor's? How What's your healthcare situation like? And then you can make the assessment as, as to which coverage you can get. And you're only locked in a year at a time. So you can always change it next year. Yeah, and it really shows that you for for all this, you really just can't use costs as the the main driver. I think you really have to look at your overall situation. Do you go to the doctors a lot in a, in a month? Do you do you travel like what doctors will be accepting or not accepting? It just you have there's so many factors where you're, this you really can't just boil it down to the cost or how much you're paying that. It definitely is a a big thing to consider, but there are a lot of different elements that that go into this and that's why we have all these like sources and we're having these like conversations just to really kind of help you narrow down all these different options that you have out there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I, I would guys, I'm chomping at the bit to talk about this little known Medicare advantage piece again. Can I, can I go there or you, you want to say a few other things about this other stuff? Okay. So folks, we've talked about this as though there's these two categories, Medicare or the original Medicare and Medicare Advantage. And I just want to call your attention to this one that almost nobody knows about. I show this to my clients who are approaching this all the time and they're going, what? We've never heard of that. I know. I think no one's heard of it. So it is technically considered a Medicare Advantage plan. So when you go to the Medicare.gov website and you're looking at comparing plans, if you don't go, if you say, I've ruled out those those Medicare Advantage plans because they're HMOs and I don't want an HMO, blah, blah, blah. You've missed out. Go to the Medicare Advantage thing. At least look this over. So this is what this is known is, is a Medicare medical savings account plan. And so far, it's not offered in every state. It's offered in 34 states in the District of Columbia. So coming back to DMV, it's just DM, no V. And uh, in, in here in, um, in Michigan, no, no Michigan. But where a lot of my clients are in uh, Illinois, uh, it's there. Texas, it's there. California, it's not. New York, it's not. You know, so you have to kind of piece this out. So it's this, not all of our listeners are going to have the advantage of this, but many of you are. And so here's, what, here's why I'm calling this to your attention. So in this particular case, it could be that you never have any out-of-pocket costs or any medical coverage except for the Part B premium, which we talked about. For many people, that'll be $148.50 a month right now and growing from there. The Part D drug plan, those two things. But, but other than that, in terms of net cost to you, it could be, it could be that you don't have any costs. How can this be? Well, here's what happens is that you, you have this thing called a medical savings account. Don't confuse this with a health savings account. At HSA, 
you can contribute to, your employer may can contribute to. In the case of the MSA, you can't contribute to it. Only the insurer uh, contributes to it. And so far, to the best of my knowledge, there's only one insurer who's even offering this yet. I think that's why it's kind of gradually rolling out in these states, and that's Lasso, L-A-S-S-O Healthcare. By the way, we have no relationship with Lasso Healthcare. We're not, we had, had, this is, there's nothing here where we have any sort of vested interest in talking about this. It's just, I think, a really cool solution. So what they'll do is there's two options. I'm going to talk about this just to explain the concept. There's the first option, and and uh, then we'll just make the extension of the second option in just a second. But it functionally, it works like this. They put $2,000 into your account each year. And they do so, it doesn't, it's, it's not treated as income to you. So it goes straight into your MSA and it sits in there. And, and if it's growing with interest or what have you, you're not getting charged on that interest. And if you use it for healthcare expenses, in other words, you write checks out of it to make, to, to cover the cost of your healthcare, it's also not a taxable distribution to you. So it's triple tax free in the same sense that, that, that at least there an HSA is. But here's the, here's the thing. If you, um, if you use less than the $2,000 a year of, of uh, costs in, in you know, whatever sort of services you're pursuing, then you keep the remainder in that account. And it's just waiting there for the following year. And each year they keep chunk- chunking $2,000 more in. Let's say that I do that three years in a row and I, uh, I got 2000 coming in those three years in a row, in other words, $6,000. And each year I only spend a thousand at the end of that three years. How much do I have in the accounts left over? I still have 3000. Your four rolls around. They put another 2000 in. Now there's a, there's a $5,000 balance in there and I get hit with, let's say a hundred thousand dollar event. Your deductible under this plan in this option one is a $5,000 deductible. But guess what? <laughs> you have $5,000 in the account, 3000 left over from the previous years, 2000 from this year, boom, all of that 5,000, you just stroke a check for that out of your MSA. And the other $95,000 of that health event is covered by the plan. So over that four year cycle, you, you had zero net costs to you. Now, it may not work out as nicely and neatly for you as the sort of the four-year example that I gave you. And you kind of have to look at your own health circumstances and ask, you know, what do you think are probably the likelihoods of, of things for you? But you could do that one. They have a second version I mentioned. It just works in exactly the same way, except they put it not not 2000 in each year. They put 3000 in each year. But in that year in which you get you get sl- you get clobbered by some big cost, the deductible is an $8,000 deductible. But I look at it like this. If you are over in one of the original Medicare solutions and you're paying $250 a month in premiums for your Medigap plan, you're already paying just on that level alone, you're paying $3,000 a, a year. So you could have this, this plan, have them put $2,000 in, every single year get slammed with a $5,000 deductible. Guess what? You put $3,000 out of pocket, no different than if you had used that original Medicare plan with a $250, $250 monthly uh, premium charge for it. I just think it makes, it just makes so much sense for so many people. I just urge you to look at it. We, we right guys right there. We probably save people tens of thousands of dollars over their lifetimes. I think, I think our listeners should pay us a fee for that. That's what I'm thinking right now. They should cut us a check. I'm teasing listeners. I'm teasing, just messing with you. But guys think, what do you think about that? I, that option? 
I I love it. I wish it was available in Virginia since uh, mo- I have more clients in Virginia than DC and Maryland. But I will definitely be uh, talking to other clients about this. Yeah, as well. and the and the tax well, the good news is, is they incredible keep... too. Like you mentioned, that's just also a great feature about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the good news is that they keep rolling that plan out to more and more states. So I I don't know that I, I don't know what the twenty two twenty twenty two um, states that'll be added to the list will be. But they've been they've been adding, you know, I'd say five or six states each year. So uh, it's, there's just the, the the fact that it doesn't cover you in 2021 doesn't mean it won't in 2022 or 2023. Look for it. Yeah, I I think that is a a great great tip that is worth everyone to look into and uh, consider it. And I'm thinking about my buddy Jim and his problem earlier. Uh, now he's in Virginia, so unfortunately that's not gonna going to help him now but in the future if it is expanded that would be a great option for him to consider yeah and one more thing in, in, in terms of traveling you know i said we said earlier that one of the weaknesses of the conventional approach to medicare advantage with the hmo or the ppo is that you have to go in network that's not true with this msa so any doctor that'll accept medicare just as what is true with original medicare you can you can have that doctor provide that service for you and you write the check out of your your msa if you're going over in the first year, I guess you might be a little out of luck there again. But uh, but nonetheless, it's uh, you know it's uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't it's not doesn't suffer from the same travel restriction that people oftentimes imagine that Medicare Advantage plans do. Okay, guys, I'm 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 done, man. I'm out of ideas here. I think we've helped listeners. I hope we have. Yeah, I hope so as well. I think this is uh, definitely a great one worth. Uh, worth ending on Eric, uh, Adrian, I should say, thank you for, for, uh, driving us through. We were worried with all this, all this content, we would take too long. So I'm glad we, we were able to get, get through it in a timely manner. Uh, Eric, great, great information. I especially love that, uh, that, um, MSA plan. So I think a lot of listeners will benefit from it for all of our listeners. If you found, uh, Roshan, before you uh, wrap it up real quickly, what are all the little ones going to be for Halloween this year? What are they going to be? My son is a scary clown. Um, my daughter is a fox. And my youngest son is going to be Blippy, who you two, I hope, haven't heard of because it'd be strange <laughs> if you were watching this. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a show for... I would say three and four year olds where um, where and I, this is the part I find a little a little strange. He has built an empire with this, but it's probably a uh, 40 year old guy dresses up in a blue, uh, a blue shirt with orange suspenders and an orange bow tie. And he talks in a high pitched voice and he goes to uh, places. He actually does teach some stuff. So I see see value in in that part of what he do he does but um uh it it does also seem a little strange to me with a grown man dressing and talking in a high-pitched voice so that is interesting i haven't heard of him so i guess that's good for me right (laughs) yeah when it's when it's your turn to deal with these kids shows there'll probably be something else that uh parents (laughs) thinks a little strange like i remember barney got the same (laughs) the same thought or, or treatment and uh uh, for my niece and nephew, there was the Wiggles, which also seemed uh, a little strange. But it, I guess if you dress up and put a, a use a high pitched voice, the little kids love it. I guess so. Okay. 
Yeah, there you go. Eric is going for the little kid demographic. We're just trying to grow the audience here. <laughs> uh, how about either? Are either of you dressing up uh, for well, Halloween? We're dressing up the puppy at, as a pumpkin. So Alfred's <laughs> going to be a pumpkin this year. So we're excited for that. What about uh, you, Eric? Any cool family? Oh, I haven't thought about that. Any of your all. family members, the little ones on your end, dressing up as anything or do anything cool this year? They're. 2,500 miles away, so I haven't really pursued that question with them. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure they're dressing up. We just don't know what it what it is, yeah, right? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Sounds good. Well, thanks yeah. for sharing. Yeah. Guys, that was a, a good episode. Thanks for asking. Adrian, we'll call that your your um, segment for getting to know the hosts, the Halloween costumes yeah. <laughs> this time as opposed to a Very top good. 10 list. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and to all the listeners, as we, as we say, please let us know if you have questions. Jim, that was a good one. Anyone else that has questions, let us know. Like, subscribe, uh, tell your friends and family, give us five stars, and please check out the website. It's got a lot of valuable information, as Eric mentioned earlier, the show notes and the uh, available pieces to download at retirementlifestyleshow.com. And we'll be back to you next week with an information-packed episode. This has been the Retirement Lifestyle Show. Schedule a conversation with Roshan, Adrian, or Eric today at retirementlifestyleshow.com. Roshan and Eric are certified financial planner practitioners. They, along with Adrian, are investment advisor representatives and serve clients across the U.S. with financial planning and investment advice through RTA Wealth. If you found this show helpful, gain knowledge, or enjoy the time you spent with us, tell your friends and leave us a five-star review. This will help others discover the show. To access our show notes, to download any of the tools mentioned in today's podcast, to ask us a question, or to schedule a conversation, go to retirementlifestyleshow.com. All opinions expressed by podcast hosts and guests are solely their own. While based on information they believe is reliable, neither Arate Wealth nor its affiliates warrants its completeness or accuracy, nor do their opinions reflect the opinion of Arate Wealth. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and should not be regarded as specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. The show hosts offer investment advice through Arate Wealth Advisors, LLC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor and securities through RTA Wealth Management, LLC, member FEMRA, SIPC, and NFA. Finally, our music is The Chance by Jason Shaw in Audionautics. It's part of the YouTube Audio Library, and it's licensed under a Creative Commons license. I am Ray Voices. Thank you for listening. <laughs>